0: Welcome to Sitcom Geeks, I'm Dave Cohen and I'm James Carey and this is episode 168 of uh, Sitcom Geeks which is, uh, that's a lot of episodes isn't it James? It is, uh,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. it marches Um, on very much, I'm sure there are some sitcoms that have done 168 episodes uh, yep. So answers on a postcard if you can identify one that's done 168. Well, They I, made a uh, lot of money on that show, whatever it was.
0: Yeah. I can actually name a show that I know that's 164 episodes because I'll be talking about that uh, a bit later. Um, Ooh,
1: which one's it, that? Come on. Uh, oh, no. You have to, you have to, you're going to keep us hanging on, Dave. I will.
0: Well, you won't know. It's a kids' TV show. Uh, it's called right. The Dumping Ground, and I'm going to be talking about uh, writing for kids' TV um in a bit but before that uh we are going to talk about uh, a, a new publication a new book james has a new book coming out and uh the book has a brilliant title it's called uh, the gospel according to a sitcom writer and uh james when is your book uh, coming out and can you tell
1: us a little bit about it well do you know what this episode drops on i think the 17th of june and it is actually out today uh, wow. And, uh, yeah, amazing. It's almost as if we've planned this, uh, <laughs> but it just just worked out quite nicely. Anyway, the book is about the gospel, as in the, the four books of the Bible that are about Jesus. Uh, regular listeners of uh, the show will know that I am something of a God-botherer uh, and that this is something that I've, I've had, you know, this, I've lived with this all mm. my life. I think it's um, fair to say
0: you have cornered the... Uh, Christianity and comedy uh, writing market. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, between, between me and Paul Carenza, I think we're, <laughs> we're hoovering up a fair amount of that. Um, mm. And actually, I, I've, done a, I've started a little mini YouTube show called The Sacred Art of Joking, which is the name of my previous book. My first guest is Paul Carenza. And we talk about... Uh, basically verses of the Bible, bits of the Bible that make you laugh. So I speak to various different people about books of the Bible or moments in the Bible that make you laugh and why, why are they funny? And that's something that essentially I'm applying my sitcom writing skills to the gospels about Jesus. And I I find the gospels really interesting. I, I also think they're true, but that's one for another podcast. I've got a different podcast about all that stuff. Um, But in a way, I'm just kind of having fun with what's written on the page and what it must have been like to actually be there if indeed uh, this Jesus of Nazareth was who he claimed to be. And that actually, you know, the idea that someone can do miracles is kind of funny. Um, And. the the disciples didn't didn't know this and they were always surprised by it and so it's just kind of the human story as it were so there were lots of basically little sketches which um many of which were monologues that i've uh, performed at various uh church christian conference convention events and that kind of stuff plus a whole bunch of other stuff as well including why i really don't like pilgrim's progress uh which is one of the best-selling books in human history Um, but I don't like it, um, because there's no subtext to it. It's the, it's the least funny book in the English (laughs) language, I think. Uh, so there's a bit about that. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of enjoying what's written in the Bible and, and sort of riffing on it, uh, in a way that hopefully people who share my views would find, uh, funny rather than disrespectful.
0: I was just that was going to be my first question, really, because I was thinking um, that, um, you know, that there there is a lot of uh, comedy about religion and both, you know, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. And, uh, you know, the kind of the, the, the point at which they meet. And, you know, we we th- we I guess we think of uh, life of Brian, I suppose, as as the yardstick. But um, in my experience, uh If you want to, and certainly when I started out, uh, if you wanted to make jokes about Christianity on the radio, certainly you you, you couldn't. You know, it Mm. was just not allowed because um, if you did write some uh, jokes about Christianity in, in your... Uh, sketches or whatever, um, you uh, several thousand letters arrived at Broadcasting mm-hmm. House. And so, you know, it yeah. was very... And, effra- well,
1: that, that tells you more about the demographics of Radio 4. <laughs> and well, No, no, but true. And yeah. frankly, what they can be bothered to defend and what they can't be bothered to defend. And so the slightly usually slightly ignorant rantings of some young comedians on Radio 4 saying, ah, oh, this Christianity is load of old rubbish. Well, that's quite hard to defend, really, um, because it's just, it's, it's not terribly clever. Um, whereas, actually, there are some perfectly legitimate grounds to, to you know, to take objections to, to lots of this stuff. But it's very rarely done in that way. So, as a rule, my experience, and, you know, this is more 20 years ago than now, Radio 4 would just really rather you didn't. Yeah. Um, But if you did, then they probably go into bat for you. But you'd have to have that conversation. And fundamentally, not that many um, comedians are motivated to double down on attacking religion uh, because they're more interested in jokes than they are tearing down you know, theistic worldview systems and that kind of stuff.
0: Is that fair? I think it's fair, yeah. I mean, I remember very specifically many years ago, I used to live with, uh, share, share a flat with uh, Jeremy Hardy, the late Jeremy Hardy. And uh, he used to do uh, a lot of material about uh, the Bible. And, mm. But he, he kind of, in, in, a, in a similar way, to, to you know, he, he, he sort of went into the stories in quite, quite uh, a lot of depth
1: Hmm. old
0: and new testament um and i I, and i always you know he we we always tried out our lines on each other and he he would sort of do a routine for me about say you know the sacrifice of um uh, abraham sacrificing isaac uh in the uh in genesis um very early story in the old testament and I would sort of listen to it and, uh, you know, he was trying, it was like he was trying to persuade people why this story doesn't hold up. And I would, uh, and, and, you know, and Jeremy was just the, the funniest man, the funniest mm. gag writer of anyone. Very ever. funny man, yeah. But once he started to do his one-man shows, you know, he, he he it almost became a mission for him to, you know, he wanted to, dis, not discredit, but he wanted to show why the Bible was not, the, you know, a good... Uh, was was the wrong sort of book, and I and I always said, look, you know, uh, this is all very interesting and and academic, you know, but come on, I want gags, you know, you're Jeremy, yeah, yeah. and and you know, why are you why, why are you having to kind of do this? And you're right, I do think, you know, it's always about the gags, but so yeah. so well, I, am, gonna, I am let's curious. Just
1: dig in t- yeah, go on. I, I, I'll just come in on that though, because I think it might relate to what you're about to ask me anyway. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you say these jokes are all very academic. I mean, in some senses, they're not very academic because mm. um, if you actually dig into the text and work out how this text connects to other texts, you discover there is a reason why this story is written this way and not another way. And mm. so once you've, you know, I've got a degree in theology, but also I've gone to, the ch- I've gone to church uh, since the age of 10 um, mm. and I read a lot of books on theology and that kind of stuff. And once you realize, th- once you start digging around, the stories become more interesting And more sort of more compelling rather than less. And so in a way, Jeremy Hardy saying, these stories are all wrong. None of you should be interested in this story. This story is a bad story. You just go, yeah, the thing is, Jeremy, that story, if it happened, which I think it did, happened 4000 years ago. And we're still telling the story. It still has resonance. So maybe, Jeremy, (laughs) it's you and not the story. OK, that's just that's kind of like and and the weight of Judeo-Christian tradition would suggest it is it's you and not the story that's at fault. And so in a way, what I do, because I'm from that tradition of believing it, I sort of go, OK, well, I'm not going to argue whether this is true or not, because it's not a particularly interesting question to me. And we're not going to agree on it. But let's let's say yes and uh, rather than yes, but or no, but. And actually, it's the horrible histories thing. I know we're going to come on to kids TV a bit, uh, you know, sh- soon, listeners. Don't worry. We'll start talking about sitcoms soon. Um, but my, my approach to this stuff is, is, is the, so the horrible histories line is essentially, let's take a historical fact and build on it. And what's funny about it rather than wouldn't it have been funnier if. Absolutely. So it's like, wouldn't it have been funny if they ran out of food at the feeding of the 5,000? <laughs> well, m- maybe. I don't know. They didn't. But isn't it funny that that they didn't run out and that actually starving people were so full, there was so much bread left over. It was an embarrassment. And I wrote a sketch for a a kid's thing I did where basically um, a guy selling kebabs manages to track down this massive crowd of people in the middle of nowhere. Just thinking, I am quids in here and realizing he's competing with someone who is literally giving it away for free. Um, So I think that's I think that's a more interesting approach and a more fun approach than just saying you're all idiots for believing this. And there's a they've got a case. I'm happy to have that uh, that discussion. It's just that's been quite that's been done quite a lot. I'm not interested in doing that. So. That's what the Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer is. It's a yes and book. Yeah, well, that's interesting. And in
0: fact, last episode we talked about you, you sort of jokingly said, uh, well, Dave's got a book out as a novel. And, and the book that I'm bringing out couldn't be more different. Uh, but actually, I have uh, a, a chapter in my book, which is uh, set in a synagogue. And uh, there's a story from the Old Testament. Um, which I had not heard until uh, many years ago when I went to um, a a bar mitzvah of a relative and and, uh, they they read this story and it was the Ten Commandments, part two. Now, I never knew that there was a part two to the Ten Commandments. The story is that about 40 years after the Ten Commandments uh, were... It's always 40. ...on high (laughs) or whatever, um, there had been arguments about... Uh, particularly about the last uh, uh, the last commandments: Thou shalt not covet thy neighbour's wife, uh, uh, mm. nor, his axe, uh, nor his axe, nor his axe, nor his ox, nor his ox, nor his ass. Um, and actually, the ox and the ass were not in the original Ten Commandments. And this was like so. Within about sort of twenty or thirty years, and and I have this scene in this in synagogue where the the, the main character imagines these angry jews shouting at each other because they like his family because they just they just argue about really petty things you know mm. and he sort of imagined a 30-year argument about you know he's coveted my never mind him coveting my wife he's there uh, he's bloody coveting my ox you mm. know <laughs> what am i gonna do that and after 30 years somebody said all right okay the 10 commandments brackets amendment Thou shalt not covet thy neighbour's wife, nor his ox, ox, nor his ass. And, I just, and, mm. and for the first time, really, when I heard that story, I, that did actually make me think, this is really believable. I can really right. believe that okay. story yeah. happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, and in a way, you just, you, you kind of lean into these stories, and then they're really... The Bible stories are really enigmatic. They really don't tell you what to think or what to make of it. This, literally this very morning, I was reading the beginning of the story of Joseph uh, and his you know, being sold into slavery. And there's this whole thing where his brothers say, let's kill him. And then one brother says, actually, let's not kill him. I, no, we should, let's throw him down a well. And he was planning to come back later and take him out of the well and take him back to his dad, maybe win favor that way. But in the end, he's sold into slavery. And you just think, well the guy who was trying to not kill him, I guess that was okay, but what am I meant to make of this story? Where who, who did the right thing and the wrong thing? You know, Joseph was pretty naive in the way that he expressed himself about having these dreams, that his brothers were literally going to bow down in front of him. Um, and we're not other parts of the bible refer back to this but they don't say by the way in this story let's just say joseph is the good guy reuben one of the brothers is a kind of good guy the other brothers are the worst judah his you know we are invited to kind of talk about it and to think about it um and of course you know you can pick holes in it like jeremy hardy did and that's you know that's another way of going but i just don't think it gets you very far so I've had a swing at some New Testament stuff, mainly in the Gospel of John, which I find really interesting. Um, There's stuff in there, lots of stuff about little petty rivalries between Peter and John that you get um, right at the end of John's Gospel. They're really obvious and kind of embarrassing. Um, And also, you know, uh, I'm kind of one of my favorite little bits is how one of the first things that's said in John's Gospel by a person is when they say, oh, I've seen the Messiah and he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, oh, can anything good come from Nazareth? And it's, you know, and it was just like, he's trying to, he's trying to joke, you know, that's, that's, that's him having a proper go at, but I, I imagine Philip who's with him just going, what's wrong with people from Nazareth? Not, not cool, man. Wow. I had literally no idea you were so prejudiced, you know, and it's like kind of, this, this joke really doesn't land. Um, and so I think if you read between the lines as it were you do pick up some of this stuff and so in a way that's kind of that that's how i'm approaching the gospel as a sitcom writer right. you know so so there now, we
0: go okay well we talked um we and we, we we talk a lot and you you did uh specifically in the last episode you were saying about you know write write the thing you want to write above all else mm. and uh you know obviously i know i know we know this is a, a subject very close to your heart uh two subjects the two subjects that mm. are very close to your heart uh religion and sitcom and you mm. you've brought them together um, but putting my putting my self publisher's hat on now and saying okay so you've written this book who who do you imagine is your
1: market uh
0: audience for
1: this I mean, I think anyone, if you're, a, if you're sort of a church-going type, but you also watch Netflix, you know what I mean? And you basically have some kind of a sense of humor, then this, this you know, if, so if you go to the sorts of churches where they kind of like the Bible, and there are plenty of churches that don't particularly like the Bible, but if you do, then this is the kind of thing. So it's an easy present. It's a toilet book. It's the sort of book that's going to end up in your downstairs loo. Uh, cause it's got fairly short chapters and that kind of stuff. So it's a book that publishers quite like, um, and actually just going back to the publishing aspect of it as well, you know, these are books that I've thought about self-publishing in the past, but actually what I managed to do with my, um, uh, get my, I got managed to get my agent to get me a deal, not so that I got a particularly large amount of money up front for the book. Cause I didn't, but I do get them quite cheap if I buy them. And so if I sell them personally, then I do much better on them. And the publisher gets their share and I get, you know, I basically become a bookshop and get the extra fiver, as it were. So rather than ha- paying to have the books printed myself or printed on demand or whatever, which is one way to go. But because it's nice to have a bit of extra, uh, the, the halo effect, as it were, of, a, of an authorised publisher who yeah. also published people like, you know, uh, N.T. Wright and August Theologians, as well as. There's a guy called Fergus Butler Galley who's written a book called the, A Field Guide to the English Clergy, which is basically about weirdo priests and that kind of stuff. So yeah. they're a fairly, they're a fairly um, reputable, no, not fairly, they are a very reputable oh, religious yeah. uh, publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of helps really. And they've got a little bit of marketing to shove behind it, but I'm doing most of it myself. Yeah. But essentially, if you want to buy the book, if you're in the UK and you want to buy the book, buy it from me personally via my website go to jamescarey.co.uk, and I'll sign it and I'll send it to you and I I make I make more money that way and if I do a gig then I can sell my book afterwards um so it kind of makes sense to kind of so it feels like in a way I'm self-publishing it but I'm using the publishers to print it and promote it but I'm still so My previous book, The Sacred Art of Joking, which is about how jokes work and how they go wrong, especially in the realm of religion. I think I bought and sold uh, 500 copies myself. I mean, it's also available in Waterstones and stuff and people did buy it. And I I don't know how many it sold. I think it sold a few thousand, maybe four or five thousand. And the publishers go, hey, your last book sold really well. And I'm like, (laughs) did it? Yeah, yeah, it sold X thousand. I'm just like. I've no idea. You know, it's no. like I, I well, know what I, I know what good ratings are on BBC One at yeah. 9 p.m. But beyond that, my metrics are completely off. Mm-hmm. H- have um, a guess
0: what a good uh, what, what is considered a good uh, s- uh, amount of sales for, uh, or a starting point of a good amount of sales
1: for, uh, uh, like a novel. So the num- the numbers are frightening. It's sort of hundreds, not thousands, yeah.
0: isn't it? I think it's like ele- if you sold eleven hundred. Uh, copies of your novel you are you know you're kind of in with a chance of getting another deal yeah Um, so yeah it is yeah no it's
1: it's amazing really so mm. um so yeah i'm just sort of cutting with the grain on that and maybe maybe there is a novel to come but i did i was writing a novel earlier this year and i bailed on it and turned it into a screenplay um which i'm I'm very glad i did but but yeah so i think in a way we we live in this sort of mixed ecology whereby you Mm. you know it might be worth getting a publishing deal um if you can and if you can't it's not the end of the world but a
0: lot, uh... a lot of people talk about being a hybrid uh, publisher mm. you're you're I wouldn't say that's what you are because that that means sometimes you self publish sometimes you do uh, you get the publisher but actually in your case your each of your books is like a hybrid of and and even if you do get a deal a publishing deal you uh, unless you put in extra marketing, you're just not going to get many sales because publishers yep. bring out hundreds of books every year. And even if yours is the hottest uh, kid on the block, you know, then mm. you know, at best, you'll get two weeks of, of great publicity and then that's it. They, yep. they finish with you.
1: Yeah. And then sort of two months later, they've got eight more books to publish and, you know, yeah. they've everyone's moved on really. So that's why I've kind of, you know, I've got, I've got a podcast in that, in that space as well. I've started this YouTube show. I don't know how long that will run for, but I'm, I plan to do a fair amount. I've got a newsletter where I, where I do that stuff as well. I, I started a weekly Substack newsletter in December knowing that I wanted to build a mailing list for, for this aspect of my work. And, and I've got, at time of recording, about 300, 400 people who that, get that newsletter. That's fantastic. Um, which is not bad. And yeah. some of them have already sort of pre, pre-bought it. Yeah. um and pre-ordered it and that that's going to get that's being shipped as we speak um well as as you are listening mm-hmm. to this not as we speak as we speak we're we're, we're a little a little ahead of time this so, is just um, um, i'll just mention yeah.
0: another thing about that because this is uh we talked about um the episode we did with uh, joanna penn and uh she talks a lot about uh you know if you are in this kind of world and and, and you are you know if you're, mm. not, you're not you want to be a comedy writer you you, you should be doing a little bit of yourself and have have different income streams you know have Mm. more than one income stream because um you know if you want to keep writing you're not always going to be getting money for it but if you've got a steady income from something else coming on then that allows that that gives you the time to work on other stuff um the, 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 okay. you know that you really want to do so
1: um, and also have yeah. a think about you know where, where can you be a big fish in a smaller pond rather than a smaller fish in a big pond so although I've got you know the half, half decent list of sitcom credits I'm still a pretty small fish when it comes to getting a new show on BBC1 BBC2 Channel 4 whatever um, I mean nothing's getting on Channel 4 at the moment is it by the sounds of it but mm. you, you get the idea whereas I've got a really good track record for tv in the in the judeo-christian space um and therefore it's worth thinking if you're trying to make your own stuff and do your own thing it's worth having that passion project uh, that you want to get on tv that's a mainstream thing or something for everyone but is there a sector where you can be um the go-to person the 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 funny person if you've got a light-hearted podcast in that area um or you create a character uh, who completely encapsulates your industry, um, then you might start to get a bit of traction with the trade rags with with people in that world. And then suddenly you might actually be able to monetize that uh, sooner than you think. Yeah.
0: And uh, in fact, there's an American entrepreneur called Pat Flynn, who you and I both occasionally hmm. uh, look at. And, and in fact, he's... Uh, phrase which doesn't really work in in English English I'm afraid, but in American English, the riches are in the niches, as in mm. the niches. Yeah. Uh, the riches it's, it's... are in the niches. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> doesn't quite work for us, but it's yeah. true. If you can, if you have a thing that you know you are an expert on, um, yeah. and and you are able to write in a funny way, which you are, uh, there won't be anyone else. The chances are there won't be anyone else who can write funny about that subject in the way that you can. So yeah. um, think about it. It's definitely yeah.
1: I mean it. if you are obsessed with candle making or if you're obsessed with with um keeping goats or gardening or um growing tomatoes or whatever, you could have the funny tomato growing YouTube channel, podcast or whatever. You're a bit of a character. I watch a carpentry uh, YouTube channel with my daughter who's really into carpentry. And there's a guy we've latched onto because he's not trying to be funny, but he is a bit funny. Um, and, you know, it, is there a way in which you can just kind of, you know, elevate yourself above everybody else because you've, you've got that uh, extra uh, string to your bow? Uh, so, you know, so in a way I'm just kind of making... And the same with, with Dave's novel we talked about last week. Dave was there when alternative comedy started. And he's able to write a, a novel about that world, um, and and make the most of it. So, kind of, you know, make the most of what you've what you've got, even though your area of interest may be in slightly different areas um, at the moment. So, you kind of want to do a bit of both, I think, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's definitely worth it.
0: And uh, that, that sort of feels like a good... Uh, have you got any more? Would you just like... No, to no, sick? I think
1: people are sick to death of hearing me talk about this book. <laughs> the Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer. If you go to my website, jamescarry.co.uk, there'll be stuff there about how you can buy mm. that directly from me, if that's of, uh, of any interest. I'm sure Jeremy Hardy's anti-religion <laughs> rants are also widely available. Uh, and also The Life of Brian, which is actually not an anti-Christian film. It's an anti anti-organized religion film but that's yeah. that's that's one for another that's time. another episode hmm. but i
0: it, i think um what, what what we want to talk about now it does does kind of follow on from that not not the religious aspects of it but the kind of you know carving out how how do you carve out your career because um i've been spending a bit of time uh looking at the whole the current situation for writing for children's uh tv and um it sort of feels like this is something that, that uh, we, we uh, I mean, we have talked a little bit about it before, but I, I think it's, a, it's a subject worthy of, you know, actually kind of going into a bit of depth uh, about. Mm-hmm. So, um Shall I um, start? Yeah, some... please
1: launch away. Where where yeah. where do you start? What brought this on for a start? Well, I just it, it, it struck
0: me. I mean, I do occasionally. I I I like to kind of find out what's going on in the world, and the way that I do it is because um, I've got a mailing list for my uh, for the sort of comedy writing side, and it's about eight hundred. Uh, people and I, I i like to kind of um, know what's out there and I, I what i do is i think about an idea and i'll i'll send out i'll do like kind of two weeks of daily emails and i've just finished uh doing a couple of weeks of emails about uh how do you get to write for children's tv so it it sort of involves me finding out stuff that that's that's out there but actually you know getting it getting it all into one space and working out What's best for new writers, and um, that you know, the fact is that, as, as we have said many times, you know, that there, there, there's um, BBC Radio and there's Kids TV, um, and there's very little else, very few places beyond that where you actually stand a chance of getting something on, mm. or at least getting to know producers, getting to know uh, what's out there. So, I uh, i've been looking into uh the the, the situation that I'm starting with the bbc because that's really that, that that's how you get in there really and looking at how uh what what you can do to try and get uh known to cbbc or cbb's and um just, just kind of getting a few hints and pointers from people who are very successful in the field and people starting out there as well. So it's a kind of snapshot of of, of where where we are. And actually, I will the the the, the whole set of emails will be uh, available if uh, we'll we'll, um, we'll give out a, a, an address you can contact me to get hold of them uh, at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, the main thing. I mean, the two main things that I say because people think I'm not really... I don't really want to write kids' TV. I've never... It just doesn't interest me at all. Uh, a lot of people say that, comedy writers say that, and I, and I just think, well, you know, you're wrong. <laughs> you have to. Wow. Because, you know, because if you are... I mean, you know, if you want to write for mainstream TV and you're not writing soaps or crime or hospitals, you've already opted out of about 90% of what work is available. So uh so if you want to write comedy that leaves you uh radio kids or uh, you know uh, adults adult tv um yeah. so it's kind of pretty much a third of what's what's left really so it really is worth uh w- worth writing for and the and I think the reason that people think well kids is not for me is because they think it's different and while it is true that you can't talk about uh, gambling or sex or alcohol uh, or use rude words. That's all. That's the only difference, I would say, uh, hmm. between writing for kids and writing for grown-ups. It's exactly the same. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, they're,
1: the, they're, occasionally you just get the editorial policy thing of, yeah, yeah, no, it's really funny. It's just you've just told kids how to do something that's incredibly dangerous. So we're going to have to remove that. That's called editorial policy. Um, so occasionally you do get a moment that's been jumped on and that just forces you to be more creative and go, OK, well, what's what you know, how, how are we going to get around that? And you, you, you fix it. Um, so, I mean, uh, so I can just sort of chime in on this because I, I wrote an episode of uh, the second series of Almost Never and I script edited the first series. So I script edited all 13 episodes. Um, of that, and I've done other bits and pieces of children's and, and preschool stuff before as well, especially when my kids were that age. And I have to say, I've, I've all you know, and one of the first paid jobs I did was writing an episode of Chuckle Vision. And I got, you know, it was fun to do. Do you know what? I got paid quite well for it because I kept getting paid for it. Um, it just got repeated a few times. And let's be honest, if it's good enough for Russell T Davis uh, it's good enough for me. He spent the first eight years, uh, working in children's. Uh, I've got his, um, biog here, children's television career, 1985 to 1993. He started off in BBC Wells children's department and was writing stuff like, why don't you, um, and then, you know, trying to get into write for crossroads. And, um, and yeah, he was sort of, uh, Uh, ended up producing why don't you and then ended up writing for children's ward which was a kind of a well-regarded uh citv show i think um i as a kid growing up it was on and i never used to want to watch it because it always felt a bit boring and serious it didn't have any jokes in it so i didn't really (laughs) see the point um but you know there's a guy with serious writing chops who spent a significant length of his career eight years mostly writing children's stuff Mm. so you know it's like you've got to start somewhere Um, I would say it's an end in itself writing for kids and I I, I like kids and I have two kids and I like them. And it it annoys me when they don't have enough stuff to watch on TV. So I I think it's a good way of getting experience and getting paid uh, as well. Um, And there's no substitute for that and being very creative on pretty small budgets as well.
0: And uh, we we mentioned Life of Brian. Before Life of Brian, there was uh, Monty Python. But before Monty Python, there was a show which I loved when I was about ten years old, and it was called Do Not Adjust Your Set. And yeah. uh, that, that certainly had Michael Palin, Terry Jones in it. And uh, David Jason, I think, was in that as well. Yeah. And uh, Neil Innes uh, wrote the songs for it, and so it had um, the Bonzo Dog Band in it. And uh, so, and and you know, th- it was it was basically Monty Python uh, yeah. for kids um, before yeah. Monty Python.
1: And, yeah, and now we've got Horrible Histories. Yeah, which, which and uh, some who's the guy Neil Innes doesn't write the songs for that. Who who's, sadly, who does the yes. songs for that? <laughs>
0: Sadly, yeah. no more.
1: Well, I, I, in fact, I,
0: have st- I am no longer writing uh, songs for horrible histories. And I, I kind of uh, about a hundred songs in. I, right. I sort of feel like I'm, I'm and, and, and they're, they're much more. They, they, they don't want sixties, seventies, eighties parodies anymore. They need, Aww. they need people who are literate about the music scene of the last five years. And, oh wow! You know, however much I listen to that music, I can't. I, I can't have the love and deep feeling for it that okay. I grew up with, the music I grew up with that I'm able to kind of give uh, for, for other stuff. So I kind of, but, you know... I've, I've but Horrible terminated. Histories,
1: Look at I mean, look at the, the original cast of Horrible Histories are now making, then went off to make Yonderland mm. uh, for Sky, and then they went off uh, to make uh, Ghosts, Ghosts for BBC yeah. One. I watched an episode the other day, Series 2, uh, about the death of Matthew Bainton's character yeah. uh, and the duel and stuff. It was a cracking episode. I, they're really, all cracking, I think. really enjoyed it. Well, I, found, I have to say, I, I know some of them, and they probably won't mind saying, I found the plotting, the bit that kind of slightly lets, lets it down a bit. But series two is a definite step up in that mm. department, and I thought that particular episode was a really nice... It was like one incident seen in a few different ways. Yeah. Um, and the bit where... Matthew Bainton's character was having everything described by the caveman character. And everyone was speaking in caveman uh, in his head, as it were, as he's telling the story I thought was incredibly funny. But, you know, they did Yonderland. They got that. They did did a movie which I adore called Bill, um, which I've seen with my kids eight times. Um, And so it's like, you know, they they probably did think to themselves, why are we doing kids TV? You know, we, we should be... Out there making sitcoms for BBC One. It's like, well, all right, do do the work, do what's put in front of you, do it well, learn stuff, get paid, and then do the next thing.
0: Mm. Well, and I think uh, actually, well, you know, they did five series, and it was absolutely punishing. You know, sort of not not punishing. You know, relatively, but it it was a f- five years. It's very, uh, you know, kind of very kind of heavy schedule when you're doing it, and you know that they. they they sort of you know they came together through horrible histories and um you know they were brought together by uh, caroline norris the producer she created that team so you know that that was um and and other things to think about as well that uh it was a successful it was already a successful series of books so uh it wasn't just something that came out of nowhere and then caroline brought that kind of blackadder python-esque sort of sensibility to it and so it was you know a lot of funny people in costumes but it was all true it was all based on truth so it had all these things going for it and then that's something that, that to, to bear in mind and and actually a lot of the shows that are on uh cbbc are uh that they are loosely based on um uh, books um or, or you yep. know and you know they have got Mallory Towers as well um horrible histories as I say um and there's a series called Dwight in Shining Armor which isn't books but it's it's got a very kind of Harry Potter sort of feel to it I mean if you like books and you like kids books and you've got a like obscure you know obscure kids books that, that uh, you you enjoy you know that's the kind of thing that they are they're, they're, they're interested in something like those. Are, There's so many. I mean, it's just a, a phenomenal, really, the, the sort of things that you can get uh, to do on kids TV yeah. and uh, a and And I think we've talked about this a little bit before as well, partly because of the, the, the funding. Um, The the, the bad news is that uh, it's being cut. uh, The the, the budget's being cut again. That's bad news, number one. Bad news, number two, due to COVID, they've got a backlog of of shows. So they're not actually taking anything new, at least until 2022. Uh, And the other bad news, which is also good news, uh, is that they are making fewer shows um, so what the, the the mantra at the moment is: we're making fewer shows, but we're going to make more of them. So the reason that's actually sort of quite good news means that if you want to break into writing for uh, kids' TV, you know there will be more shows where they are looking for new writers, fresh writers. And here it is: the mention, the dumping ground, which was uh, is based on uh, Jack, Jacqueline Wilson novels. Um, eight series in now 164 episodes and i'm you know they make 24 episodes a year of this show and it's showing no signs of 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 stopping or being unpopular so people are still people still want to watch it um and that's a show you know that you you watch that show and have ideas and start pitching ideas for that show and that's you know that that's going to be a much Quicker way, a much more useful way to kind of be looking at the kind of things that you could be doing, Mm. uh, other than just oh, I only write sitcom, you know, adult sitcom.
1: Mm. And let's be honest, the BBC is not the only game in town. So, I mean, they they may be uh, having their budget slashed by, you know, frankly, politics. but and I know CITV don't really make much original comedy at the moment. That might change. Well, they're Channel doing five.
0: CITV are doing uh, an oddman show, and uh, I think they've ordered quite a lot of them actually. Uh, it's called uh, Lloyd of the Flies, uh, right? And it's about and it's about uh, an ant or something. I think from uh, a middle-aged. Uh, he, well, he's, he's the, the middle child of four hundred and fifty-three. Uh, children or something and here's the thing 52 episodes of uh, a show that have been are going to be made by Channel 5 right so even Channel 5 is making kids stuff and yes you've got you've you've got Nickelodeon and you've got Disney Plus Plus and uh, Amazon Prime. So, I mean... And Sky.
1: It, Sky Kids, they're making stuff too. Yeah. Uh, so, in a way, the BBC always feels like it's the most accessible mm. um, and that the stuff that appears on other channels often feels like it's sort of more put together, at, you know, at deals are made that are trans transatlantic or getting German money and other money for, to make this and that. And to some extent, that's true. But actually, even the BBC stuff is is usually being co-financed these days as well. So it's just worth making some inquiries into that world. And going back to the idea that, well, I don't particularly want to, you know, write a a kid's show. It's like, well, OK, so what sort of kid's show do you want to write? (laughs) What what sort of kid's show would you have liked to watch when you were a kid? And if you've got kids or you've got nieces or nephews, how could you make them laugh? What would you want to write for them? And so for me, I've always, you know, I've, I've not done my own CBBC show. I've always wanted to have done since I started in this industry 20 years ago, have never succeeded. Um, I do remember pitching about 15, 20 years ago. Hey, what about a sketch show about historical events? Um, which <laughs> takes, which basically says, you know, imagine this happened and then riff off the back of it a bit like what I do with the Bible. And they said, no, no, kids don't want to watch that. Um, so, uh, uh true facts genuinely did. Um, but obviously Horrible Histories was an existing book and it was an exciting you know, property and therefore they, they were able to, to, to get it away. But the reason I pitched that and I pitched another show, I pitched a show called Peasants, which is basically a village of the, the people who have survived the Black Death. And so it's just, you know, fate has meant that only eight people have survived and it's the mayor and the village idiot and the priest and, you know, the, the the pub landlord's wife and, you know, it's just like, and there's no one else for miles because they're all dead. Um, and so uh, I've always wanted and I've always wanted to do that because I used to love Maid Marian and her merry men, even though I was slightly too old for it. I just thought I'd lo- love that show. Yeah. So it's worth thinking, which show did you love? And if someone just said, you know, what, what show would you most likely like to do? Well, do that why don't you write that pitch that come up with some ideas for that Mm. um because it's worth pitching for existing shows but you also want an idea ready for when they say you know what else have you got Mm. um if they like your ideas but they can't use them for whatever reason they might invite you to pitch and oh we've got a commissioning round coming up uh what have you got um because they they still need shows
0: they do and actually and you know and even if you're not thinking of your own shows, you know, or you can be thinking of your own shows, but um, look at what's out there and look at potential for spin-offs because what the, 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 what they're doing is, and I think this is a possibly a high-risk thing, but I don't know. They might be right about it. The reason they're doing fewer shows but more of them is that, you know, once you get 100-plus uh, episodes of a show... You can start running it, and that's how you get your show onto Netflix or wherever. Mm. Uh, so they're kind of, they've are of they got one eye on the streaming market. It's just a crazy, crazy shame that iPlayer isn't playing in that world. A, a
1: destination. I think it is going to become that, but it feels mm. like they, they, were, they should have been doing this four or five yeah. years ago.
0: They were way ahead, absolutely mm. way ahead
1: of the, uh, you know, 10 years ahead of Netflix or whatever. Mm. But anyway, that's
0: by the by. So, you know, you might have a kind of, you know, they do a lot of spin offs. Like, So Awkward has got a new spin off coming. They had one, there's already been one spin off and there's going to be another one. Uh, and, you know, uh, that there, there are, they had, uh, for Horrible Histories, they had like three series of gory games, you know. So, you know, you, if you could, Look at what's there and actually think. Well, here, oh, dumping ground. What about and and you know what about an idea for this uh, something that's kind of off a tangent from it? And they've got this massive uh, website as well, the CBBC website, and that's not just um, shows. That's kind of that. That's you know there's interactive stuff, the general knowledge quizzes. They have games on the show on there. So you know, kind of you can you can go anywhere. They, and, hmm. and, and there's, there's no other uh part of the bbc or, or or other you know channel that's saying we want animation we want sketches and we want sitcoms so yeah. those are all things that uh you know all the things that we want to do and um yeah. you know that's a really it's 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 just really worth going for
1: yeah. We should probably try and speak to somebody at CBBC, shouldn't we, really? That would be a good good idea. We
0: should, yes. There's a new boss taken over, Cheryl Taylor, who was from Huntrick. Uh, mm. She was in charge at CBBC for many years. A long
1: time, uh, yeah. And before yeah. that, she was running BBC Comedy, which was yeah. kind of quite a big jump to go from there to, to kids. Yeah, um, Have they got someone new yet?
0: Yeah, Sarah Muller, she's called. And she okay. used to work for BBC, but I think then she worked for Sony and... and and i, I they they've got a new head as well whose name i 've forgotten who's actually the overall head patricia something uh she's from uh she's she's spanish i think she was with warner t v it's a massive american t right. v company uh so you 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 sense that the kind of the the drive is you know to make probably to kind of try and make it self-financing. I mean, kind of, mm. uh, I'm not sure they have much choice in that matter anyway. So they are, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've got to... And they have always been that way. They've always been very... You know, I remember about sort of six years ago, even when uh, being at a horrible histories writing meeting, and this was before TikTok even. And they they said um, they said it's war out there. You know, kids don't sit down; they don't watch TV at a certain time anymore. It's got to be a short attention span. I mean, they 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 they've modified since then, but they were kind of really, you know, even sort of six seven years ago, they were they were panicking, mm-hmm. um, and. But, you know, they're, they're, they're finding their way with it now. But I do think it's, it's uh, yeah, we should definitely, we should get somebody from, uh, from CBBC to talk. But they have a big, go to their website, um, commissioning, BBC Children's Commissioning, and they have, you know, a big, solid, very clear list of the kind of things that they're looking for. You know, we're looking for a new show, a uh, for big format factual entertainment format show with clear aspirational goals. We're looking for uh, magic or pranks. We're looking for comedy drama for seven to nine year olds with broad appeal, silly characters that make you giggle. Uh, you know, they're, they're they're pretty clear what they're asking for: slapstick. They want you know, there's a there's a new. A couple of guys I've forgotten their name now Brian and Mike or something I think a couple of guys who do a, uh, a slapstick show and they're very popular uh, animation with a more complex narrative style, you know comedy shorts and and so you know there' was just 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 has not been a, a better time I think, even though there aren't that many slots but they you know they have a very open uh, very broad mind about what they're looking
1: for what they're not looking yeah. for as well. So, and yeah. if you um, want to uh, hear an actual children's comedy writer, we interviewed in episode 93, Julie Bauer, who, wrote, mm. uh, ca- who came up with uh, So Awkward, and she wrote lots of episodes yeah. of it. And uh, so she, she, she will tell you how she did it. That's not necessarily how it's done, but uh, yeah. everyone's path is slightly different. So go and have a listen to yeah. episode 93. And also, actually, if you go
0: back a little further, I think it's episode 38, I remember only because I listened to it very recently, uh, with Ben Ward. And Ben uh, talks a lot about... uh, Ben's the kind of showrunner on Danger Mouse. And he talks both about how to write danger how to write animation and you know how to write a horrible history sketch when I I go I I go into both of those in some detail in the emails if you want to sign up and get those emails uh, I am actually thinking of just bringing out as a free book probably in the autumn or something as well but um the uh, go to um funnyup 2 at gmail dot com. That's funny funnyup, U W N Y U P O2 at gmail dot com. When you say and O2, do you mean 02? Zero two, zero two, or... 02, yes. funnyup 2 at gmail dot com, yeah. and uh, send me an email, and I'll send you all the uh, the, the the ten
1: uh, emails. Great that episode with ben ward from horrible histories is episode 28 oh 28. so a mm-hmm. bit of homework for you there cool well i think that just about wraps things up doesn't it we've uh, talked yeah. what, what a varied palette we've had again <laughs> today yes. um so uh so yeah we'll be back with you next time we've got some interviews coming up hopefully as well to, to break things up a bit so until then um you can Get hold of us with the usual offices. Join us on Patreon as well. And you get to have access to a, um, a private Facebook group as well as an extra podcast a month, effectively, with our, our Q&A uh, session that you can be a part of. And also we do monthly masterclasses if you join um, at, a, at a higher level and that's like a 90 minute two hour workshop with the two of us live on zoom so loads of benefits and just a bit of a feeling of community because it can get a bit lonely uh, out there can't it Dave absolutely yeah no it's great
0: I'm really enjoying these uh, workshops and things as well they're, yeah I think and people are saying they're, they're getting a lot out of them as well so yeah.
1: I would definitely uh, look into that brilliant Great. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much. Speak to you next time. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.